I would say we have that working amazingly well in, in safety wing. I think the first part is that you got to get the fundamentals right first. So for example, we have this rule when we hire that it's much easier to hire someone who want the same thing you want. It's this like general rule for how to have peace in a relationship is that you want the same thing. You're going in the same direction. You know, that's one of the top things we look for hiring. Like, do you want this? Because if you do, then you don't have to manage them. We're actually allies. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sandra Rash from Safety Wing. Hello, Sandra. Thank you, Adam. Great to be here. Nice to meet you too, my man. So Safety Wing is an insurance company. It offers travel insurance for people who are traveling around the world. From what I've seen, I've seen it become very popular in the last two, three years, mentioned in many blogs and, and uh, getting lots of good reviews. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how um, Safety Wing came about? Yeah, I am currently sitting in Bergen, Norway, where I'm from, although I usually live in San Francisco, where Safety Wing is headquartered. I started Safety Wing together with uh, Sarah and Hans, who are also from Norway, a small town there. And we started with this idea that we would kind of build a Norwegian social safety net, but as a membership on the internet. That's what the project is about. And the first product, in a sense, was for what we were at the time, which were digital nomads, and it had been for a few years, all of us. So we had that need of, you know, having a very flexible easy uh, sort of travel medical thing that we could have indefinitely. And that was the, became the first product. It was um, like ultimately travel insurance for people who are out and about and traveling the world. I know from my days of backpacking, which is probably around 2009 to 2015, like world nomads seemed to be like the one, to be honest, it was the only one that I remember when you Googled that you could get uh, insurance with. So, you know, did you see an opportunity for, like a business that catered to the people who who were, you know, as you're saying, traveling and working and uh, wanted to cover their goods as well, um, you know, like their laptops and cameras and things like that? Yeah, we knew the needs for digital nomads because we were in the segment. So, uh, you know, we had a pretty good idea about what was needed and, and we sent, set, set out to make that and that worked out really well, I would say. And certainly the reception has been, you know, very positive and growing since since day one pretty quickly. So um, it was really just, you know, looking at our own problem and, and solving it for ourselves and knowing that many others share the same situation. And then like you did grow really fast, like 2018 was when the company was founded. And, you know, you got up to 60,000 users pretty quick, like, you know, in, in a short number of years. So, you know, can you talk to some of the strategies that you used for growth um, to help grow the business and um, get it off the ground, really, and get it up and running? Yeah, the main growth strategy we use is to make something people love so much they tell their friends. That's everything you need to know about our growth strategy in, a, in one sentence. I think this is a great strategy. I also think it's a great marker for so-called product market fit. When you have a product that users want is when you observe your customers on their own initiative telling a friend about it. So if you have like a Y field in your somewhere, then they will, uh, or where did you find us? And the answer is a friend. Then, you know, it's working. 
this has been our primary growth uh, strategy since the beginning. And we, you know, the two thirds of our customers come through word of mouth to this day. We've never done any advertising or paid performance ads. So that's something we've avoided. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about that kind of growth strategy is that it grows exponentially, right? So it's like if it grows as a function of your users. So if you were to grow by something where it requires efforts, let's say I was selling it myself, right? Person to person, you know, I could sell, you know, I don't know, two a day, but that's not going to scale. Like two years from now, I'm still going to sell maybe three a day, right? If I get really good at it, but it's not going to be 3000. But if you scale as your users, that means that when you have 60,000 users, you know, there's 60,000 people who can tell their friends about it, <laughs> sort of, and, which makes the growth strategy grow with, uh, as a function of our users, which means it grows exponentially in percentage terms every month. That's uh, pretty much it. We did uh, couple it with um, something that is very accessible for any kind of startup, which is, you know, broadly in the beginning, you know, we, we also worked with influencers and co-marketing to kind of like get the name out there to start with. So, you know, influencers like gave them a chance to try the product so and they could write authentically what they thought. That's based on kind of like Rene Girard's mimetic desire, like why people buy things. They they copy what other people want to some degree. But that only works if like someone who's respected authentically recommends it. And we worked with, you know, some credible people in the beginning to get some of the first articles. And then it kind of just went word of mouth after that. And co-marketing, you know, that's just talking to other startups in the same ask the same customers and asking them, could you post about us and we post about you and we become friends like that. That's really good to hear. And I hear what you're saying, like with the influencers, like a real influencer is somebody who can actually influence a purchasing decision, you know, not just somebody who has loads of followers. So, you know, by partnering with people who had that influence, that um, sounds like it was really beneficial. Do your team operate? So like with that sort of scale, you've grown so fast, so many new customers in terms of, you know, running the business, you know, I know the, your assistant who I was speaking with beforehand, like she's in Mexico. Like, do you have a fully remote and distributed team? Is that how you operate as a business? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I fully remote distributed. My previous company was also fully remote and distributed. So we've been believers in fully remote teams for a long time. Uh, it is the only way to start a company these days, I think. I, I, I can't imagine starting a startup today. And not having it remote, that would be strange. Given the last two years, it would have definitely been beneficial to have that, uh, you know, not be office reliant. But it allows you to tap into the, you know, the world's pool of talent really as well. So you can bring in the best people in all of the different countries. With that in mind, like, what do you feel with regards to, especially like after the COVID situation that seems to be bloody ongoing, let's just be real, with regards to managing remote teams and their mental health and things like that, how have you found it and keeping people motivated and inspired by the vision of the business? I would say we have that working amazingly well in, in Safety Wing. I think the first part is that you've got to get the fundamentals right first. So for example, we have this rule when we hire that it's much easier to hire someone who wants the same thing you want. It's this like general rule for how to have peace in a relationship is that you want the same thing. You're going in the same direction. You know, that's one of the top things we look for hiring. Like, do you want this? Because if you do, then you don't have to manage them. We're actually allies. But if you start there and, and then, of course, you, in order to make you know, something people want, you have to have an inspiring vision. So I, uh, 
I think that is genuinely useful, right? People will come in and, you know, maybe you've made a little tool or something, but it, at an early stage, it would just always be, you know, limited to what you build. So people want to know, like, what's this the first brick to build? What are we building here? And that is relevant. So you want to have a worthwhile project. And, you know, in our case, I think we, we, we certainly do because it was started in this idealistic light. It wasn't something we made up after. We set out to build a global social safety net and eventually the first country on the internet. And, and many people find that a great thing to work on, a worthwhile project, which makes the other part quite easy. So that's like the fundamentals. Like have a worthwhile project, hire people who want to build that project. And you know, we have a great philosophy, I think, in the company that where we essentially don't tell people what to do, but we sort of like, we have this culture document taking people seriously where we uh, you know take people seriously take each other seriously and and listen to each other's ideas and uh, tolerate mistakes and you know there are some of those basics you got to do to keep a culture from being annoying to be at which many companies unfortunately fail at and we've avoided that thus far which has been a great boon to us then it's like to you know constantly do maintenance we do dugnot where we kind of once a quarter clean up our common areas we have creative sessions where everyone participates and we have like, we use, we kind of make remote meetings better than live meetings. So for example, this planning and prioritization is a great example where we come up with ideas, we list them, we rank them in, in sort of like a Google sheet and it's very fun. And a way where we kind of like, we don't try to do an offline meeting online, but we instead make a new, much more engaging, interactive meeting by using online tools. There's one right we've started using, it's uh, called Miro, and it's really fun. It's kind of like sticky notes. I don't know, it's really good for that initial stage of a project where every, you know, everything is in its sections and everybody gets engaged and it's uh, it's really fun. You know, it's kind of like that office thing where you used to do it on the big whiteboard, but in, in an engaged online way. So, I mean, it sounds like you have a really nice vision and a really good culture and, you know, with that, you will attract the right people to you because they're aligned with your vision and your culture. And then, as you say, you kind of, get out of their way and let them blossom into the role and, and bring them in and keep them creative, make them feel heard. So all of these things that are, are essential, really, if you want to have keep and retain good people on your team and within your company. So you, you mentioned, you know, a global social safety net. Can you elaborate on what that means a little bit, please? Yeah. Imagine, you know, what a national social safety net is. And I don't know what it is in Ireland, but in Norway, there is like you have a membership in a national welfare system kind of here. And, and that includes things like health, retirement, you know, the hospital system, income protection, like if you're disabled or can't work for some reason. And it's kind of that set of things. And the unfortunate thing is that for many people, either if they're digital nomads, obviously they can't, doesn't qualify for like, I'm not, when I live abroad, I don't, I can't use my Norwegian social safety net, right? Because that only exists in Norway. But it's also true with many, with most remote workers because of the way, you know, you qualify for many things. And even in the Norwegian social safety net, which is one of the most universal, you qualify for many things only by working for a local company. Only if you pay PRSI well, in Ireland. So like you have to pay tax through an employer off your salary for it, you know, whereas if you're a freelancer or a sole trader, you know, that's the big elephant in the room where when you're not hired by a company who provides, usually as part of a benefit package, you know, a health insurance or something, 
then you're kind of in this gray area where if you don't go and set it up yourself separately, like a pension, a health insurance, an income protection, then you're not covered, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you run into some trouble. So it sounds like that's what you're talking about here, is it? Like for people when they're traveling. So so how does that work, though, like on a global scale? Like, you know, if I'm in Ireland and I head to, I don't know, Bali or Mexico or wherever, like how am I covered by an insurance? Yeah, that's kind of what we have to solve when we... So, but the way we want to, to, to work, I, I mean, the way it already works with health insurance and is, of course, that you... You know, we have to figure it out legally in every country so we can offer the same services because we, what we want is for that social safety net to work the same no matter where you are in the world. So that if you're in Ireland, you're, you know, then it works the same. So you can just phone, there's chat, you can go to a medical provider. It covers this through, and it's all very smooth and, and easy. But also it's similar if you have in, in the future like a disability you would have, but it would be, we're trying to make this much better than the national alternatives, of course. We're trying to make this into like futuristic, smooth working products that are easy to use. But the way you have to do that is, the hardest is actually medical, which we've already done. Pension is coming up now, which is challenging in some ways, but the most challenging one is medical. There you, because there you need several layers of infrastructure. But uh, we find a way to do that. You kind of have to take it country by country and build out your network until you have have the whole world. And then you have to, you know, make a customer service and a medical network to be able to to access that. So in the end, the way it works is you can just go to a, a hospital anywhere in the world. And if you find it through us, then the hospital can bill us directly. And in the future, every hospital can bill us directly. But uh, you can also go out of network and send the claim in after. But the easiest is, of course, if you contact customer service first. I imagine it's a hard problem to solve, you know, hence <laughs> there's not too many competitors in the space, but it's also, I feel like you're definitely very innovative. Um, from what I could see, you were one of the first, if not the only, to offer like insurance that covered people who were hospitalized for the coronavirus and stuff. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. We were the first and only a few still does. That is, of course, you know, being fast and we were able to move fast while a lot of the insurance industry stands basically still. And so they weren't able to update that. I noticed there's kind of an evolution in the product happening, you know, where you're you're pivoting from, let's say me, the individual, heading off being a solopreneur or a freelancer who buys my own insurance to, you know, let's say me, the employer, who has six freelancers who work for me in three different countries, being the person who provides them with uh, an insurance option. So can you talk to this a little bit? Uh, I think it's Remote Health, isn't it, is the name of the product that you're moving into? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so we launched Remote Health March 3rd last year, which was actually quite funny because we launched it at a launch event in San Francisco. And there were like maybe 200 founders sort of at an event there. And I remember we said from the stage that we had made this product because we thought like in five to 10 years, most companies will be remote. And the next weekend, all companies were remote. <laughs> it was so, that prediction really came fast. And of course, what a lot of companies who are now, you know, fully remote or partly remote are discovering is that well, one, they, they discover that when they're hiring, they want to hire from anywhere because they want to hire the best applicant, you know, to take benefit of the fact that they are remote. 
Uh, the other thing is that their employees move, you know, 30%. I read both Coinbase and Spotify did the survey and they all had the same result. Over 30% of their employees had moved during COVID. And that's why Spotify went for the work from anywhere model, where they said not just that you can work from home, but you can work from anywhere. And then you have to have the benefits to support that. And of course, all this new workforce that is now gone remote, they're available to work for a company. So the remote workforce have also been massively expanded. And, you know, another crazy stat I saw was that uh, we did this survey with uh, GitLab, where it was, again, uh, about 30% who said that they would quit their job if the company went back to not being remote. And this was our, like, top companies. So, you know, there's a lot of people who's going to be available, like great hires over the coming year when you are remote. And, and of course, but there, these are people who are then, we're not in the fringe kind of uh, early ad- like innovator category anymore. You know, these are like regular people to some degree and, and they expect to have benefits. If you want to attract that kind of talent, you know, you, you will be asked, are there benefits? And if you definitely want the answer to be, yes, we do have, we do have that kind of benefits, even if you are remote. And, and that's uh, what many are figuring out. Because I think, you know, traditionally, like you're saying, you would get a package in the country where you're a tax resident, usually like, you know, so let's say you're a tax resident of Ireland then your health insurance covers Ireland. But if I want to go and spend four months in Spain, that policy doesn't cover me when I'm in Spain. You know, typically it wouldn't. So this is where having something like a remote health policy for virtual teams or for staff who are remote and who like to travel would be very beneficial. You know, that's where it's uh, it works. A lot of people like to move around a lot more. I know right now is kind of the weirdest time ever because people like to move around, but it's all dependent on... You know, whether you've been jabbed or whether you, this country's open or that one makes a quarantine. I get that we're in a bit of a probably the most turbulent time ever <laughs> in this travel freedom situation. But I like what you're saying, you know, like it's solving a problem and a unique use case that then allows companies to attract the best talent, but also offer the typical products that would be offered in a to an employee, like ultimately. So you get wages and then you get benefits and the benefits would be maybe a, a personal development, but also a health insurance option as well of some description. So yeah, that allows people to, like you're saying, attract and retain the best people. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. And it's also having tried to buy it from not us. I also know that it is very difficult. It is, if you want to buy it abroad, it's like bordering up on impossible. If you like hire someone in Brazil and you try to buy like benefits for them locally, so with us, you know, you, you have a dashboard for your company and then it's like a few clicks. You're going to add another person to that line and it sort of charges your card monthly. But it, it's like, it's as simple as any sort of web product. is. And, and that, I mean, I guess this extends because I know a lot of people listen, um, you know, hire virtual assistants and things like that. Like even, you know, like what a nice benefit to offer, let's say, you know, your your uh, your virtual assistant or even if you have somebody who's part time, you know, helping you with your blog and your business to, you know, like that's a really unique value add that you could offer them. And then, you know, you're more likely to retain them and keep them and they'll feel like you have their best interest at heart, really, isn't it? You know, like that you're looking out for them. That's what people say in the surveys. And of course, because and that's a great thing to have as a company to, you know, be a serious company that you care about your employees, also their health kind of. You mentioned country on the internet. Can you elaborate on, on what you mean by that? The way we see the future unfold is that the internet has changed the world we live in. 
our prediction is that that's a bit deeper than many people realize. And that this remote work thing is a secondary effect that is enormous. And what it does is essentially turns the world into a global labor market, which changes the function that countries can use. So if we just stick with the two use cases we mentioned, like companies that hire internationally and, and people who live abroad, digital nomads, as like um, larger and larger of share of the economy is in that segment, the regular country's infrastructure just isn't that useful anymore. And this kind of thing is happening for more services than just just a social safety net. Uh, it is actually necessary to rebuild almost the entire infrastructure that supports citizen and, and the labor market globally and on the internet. And we think that that will you know, open up the need for something like country on the internet, countries on the internet, which uh, means that you will have another layer of community or, or, or social organization that is membership-based and global and on the internet which will probably coexist with uh, regular countries, but those two will shift responsibilities between them, you know, kind of similar to how we went from the city-states to nation-states in the 1600s, where city-states technically kept existing, but the, it was more practical now due to the late technology to make a, make a nation-state. So those nation-states will solve shared problems for its citizens. And uh, we are pretty confident that this future is happening but we can definitely see that it's possible for like a dystopian version to be made here. So we were thinking, what if we just made like a really good guy one <laughs> kind of like first? So that's like our secret mission, although it's not secret at all because we talk about it publicly. But uh, our you know immediate mission is that we are building a global social safety net. But beyond that horizon, we also want to contribute to the creation of the first country on the internet that ultimately, you know, provides freedom and equal opportunity for everyone. I mean, that is a North Star vision if ever I heard one, you know. That's big and bold and noble. <laughs> and uh, I imagine full of challenges and, and turbulence and, and everything else. But it's like you're saying, like, this is where it's going. Like, you know, the, the, people thought that, oh, in 10 years, 20 years, it's like, no, it happened pretty quick. And a lot of people had to reskill and retrain. And like you're saying, like the labor market is is now largely online. And as more countries too get better, I mean, electricity and internet, you kind of need both. You know, it's no good having one or the other. Like you need the electricity first, the infrastructure. And with that will come a whole world of new opportunities. Like an extra couple of billion people will come online and, you know, offer services. You know, there's payments and there's all sorts of things as well that, that'll come with that. So... It's impressive, you know, like like that's a, it sounds like a real noble goal to have and, and uh, to be the good guy or, you know, the good country on the Internet that, it, you know, it's exciting stuff, man. It's exciting. Yeah. Another kind of extremely interesting element that I don't think we will provide that this opens up for is the sort of new villages and communities that will be built. So we're already seeing some elements of this. And I love this so much because it really is, uh, you know, a lot of people live where they are now because it's close to their job. And as you take that constraint away, people will move. And of course, that is the digital nomad phenomenon. Or, but it also opens up the possibility to create new towns and villages that are more intentional, like remote work villages like Umaya, Will Mercer's project in Belize. But uh, I think you will, we can see many more of that. So, you know, this is the time, I think, to start a village that's a very interesting topic to talk about because this is something that 
like you're saying, like where I live now isn't full of people, let's say, who I would like to interact and converse with who are like digital nomads. Look, it's not really that popular. Most people have, have normal jobs. But I, I want to go to places like Las Palmas, Lisbon. There's loads of different cities. There's a couple of spots in Portugal. I know they tried to promote some island as a digital nomad hotspot, but it's out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's not exactly very accessible. <laughs> Madeira Island or something, you know. But I hear what you're saying, like uh, Bansko, which is this skiing village in Bulgaria, I think. These places seem to pop up. And then you had your classics, which was your... Hanoi, Chiang Mai, Bali, you know, all those places. But it's funny. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I didn't love them. You know, I love Chiang Mai. I didn't like Bali. But now that more and more people can work online and also more and more companies are okay with people like just going away for a couple of months. You know what I mean? Like like maybe you want to live in the UK, Ireland, Norway, America, but you want to spend five, six months of the year in Mexico or one of these European Mediterranean countries because the winters are long and brutal <laughs> in Ireland. But, you know, for so long as you stay within, there's, I mean, I always end up coming back to this bloody tax residency thing because it's very top of mind for me because I've uh, had to deal with it, let's say. You know what I mean? So you have to be careful with your own tax residency, but to work for companies that allow you to work from wherever, you know, that they trust you, that there's the high level of trust that, and then, you know, to be in a community around people who are also interested in, in the things you're interested in and kind of by osmosis, you have that creativity and that hanging out and you're talking about big ideas with people who are interested in similar topics and that helps you to grow, I think. And and, and it's really fun too. Like, I'm not going to lie. I just, I love it. I love being around people who are into e-commerce, blogging, building businesses, selling stuff online. Like, I just, I love it. No, it's the greatest thing to when you can meet and hang around with uh, people who have similar interests and you can learn from them. And, you know, one of the best things we did, you know, when with SafeTwin was we did this program, Y Combinator, which has this great thing that you all meet. It's like uh, yeah, you start a company with a cohort and, and that, you know, just get to learn from all other kind of entrepreneurs at a similar stage. And that was a really great thing that I wholeheartedly recommend. But I definitely share it that, you know, because we can move, so you can spend the uh, summer six months in in Ireland, and and the other six in Lisbon or or wherever is uh, is a great thing, and uh, it's wonderful that it's becoming available to like to anybody, not just to the rich few, but to anyone. It is, man. Like you know, I know people who are chefs and who trained and worked as chefs, and and they see what I do, and they're like. How do I get into that? <laughs> you know, because they're like, I work 60 hours a week in a kitchen and I don't like it anymore. <laughs> it's like, can I do some of what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it was, you just need to figure out which it is, you know, is it offer a service? Is it get a remote job? There's lots of different, there's lots of different routes, you know, to becoming digital nomad, a freelancer, your own thing, or else working for a good company because it's not all about starting your own business too. I think, you know, a lot of people have that misconception that the only way it can happen is if you start your own business. No, so many good companies are now hiring remote staff. And, you know, if you have the skills and, and the character and the charisma that company is looking for, then you can get hired and, and you can you can live that lifestyle and you can have that freedom. But it's not like it used to be. It's not just everybody's in one street in Dublin and the only place you can get hired in these tech companies is if you go to that one street in Dublin. So thankfully, times have changed. Yeah, now there are so many jobs out now, on remote jobs on places like Remote OK. But 
you know, when I first started out, my plan was to start freelancing as well, which is also really hard to start. I mean, I'm not kind of putting that lightly, but several people we've hired started out as freelancers as well. So that's also like a, a way in to kind of show your a lower threshold way in into companies. So, uh, and that's a great thing about the internet. You know, the internet labor market is much more accessible and fluid than the regular one in the city. Yeah, for sure. So look, final thing, I guess, you know, have you any tips for somebody who was looking to get hired by a remote company? Like, you know, what's your, based on what you've seen and, and all the people you've you've had uh, come through the company and people you speak to, like, you know, what do you think is useful information for somebody to have who wants to like land a remote job? Well, I mean, step one is to apply. You know, a lot of the best, most happy people who have joined Safety Wing, they have chosen the company first. So we've gotten some great people in through open applications uh, who just have like a particular affinity with what we're doing at Safety Wing. And, and I think that's true for many, many companies. And um, especially if they're maybe also willing to start out, you know, freelancing. That's the first I would say, choose, choose a company that matches you well, because then you will be motivated and that will shine through. And that's actually one of the things we look for. And I think most companies look for is, are they actually motivated to work here specifically? In terms of being hired, you know, at Safety Wing, you know, the top thing we look for is uh, authenticity. So, you know, be yourself. <laughs> you would be surprised how much that puts you apart <laughs> because a lot of people are, they practice a persona when they're, you know, in an application process. And, and I realized I can work somewhere and what we're looking for is who, who you are in a sense. So uh, I think uh, being real and being yourself is uh, you still have to practice, but you have to improve yourself instead of like just this role you're playing for the interview. I hear you. the mask you put on for work, uh, you know, the, the role. It's interesting, cause I guess, when I was hiring for Shopify, what they do is they ask you, like, literally, it's like, tell me your life story. <laughs> like, that's the question. <laughs> tell me your life story. And at the end of it, there's no like hard questions. It's like, OK, thanks. And then you're like, what the hell? <laughs> That, that that was the interview. It's like I'm confused right now, and you never you never knew how it went. I guess until after, but that's what they were looking for. Is like, did you try and pretend you're this perfect individual, or are you going to be honest and tell us about, you know, some good stories, some bad stories, sometimes you screwed up, uh, and uh, I, I always found the the interview process for Shopify who are also, you know, probably half remote typically, but fully remote at the moment. Authenticity, you know, is, is a big part of it too. So that's a real interesting one. So look, Sandra, thank you very much for your time. I, I appreciate it. And thanks for all the listeners for tuning in. Any final words for where people can find you or connect, you know, looking for safety wing or remote health? So yeah, if you're uh, going out, nomading, living abroad, definitely get nomad insurance at safetywing.com and if you have a remote team and you're considering uh, starting to offer health insurance and other benefits, uh, you can also go to safetwing.com and go to their company section there, in the top right corner, to see if remote health might be right. I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes, in the wherever. It'll be everywhere on the internet. <laughs> so thank you, Sandra, and thanks for all the listeners for tuning in. Thanks, Adam. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.